Secrets to Real Estate Investing, Episode 76. Welcome to the Secrets of Real Estate Investing Show, where you'll learn powerful strategies from top experts to take your investments to the next level. Here's your host and expert real estate investor, Holly McCann. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Secrets to Real Estate Investing. I am so excited to have with us today another working professional, kind of similar to last week's podcast, but a little different. Now, last week we had a doctor who does real estate investing on the side while he still maintains his job and he really likes his job. And we have another gentleman today who has a job. And in fact, he's doing this on his lunch hour, which I think is pretty cool. He just showed me his view, which is of Diamond Head. Yeah, on Oahu in Hawaii. So he's got a job over there as an engineer and he does real estate investing also. And I can't wait for him to share more with you today. His name is Lane Kawaoka, I think. Did I get your name right, Lane? <laughs> You got it, Holly. Okay, well, welcome to the show. We're so glad to have you. Why don't you start us out by telling our listeners a little bit about your background? Yeah, thanks for having me on, Holly. So I graduated college uh, up in Seattle from the University of Washington probably about 10 years ago as an engineering graduate. I went to work for a company uh, in the construction industry. Uh, being a construction supervisor and uh, just followed the linear path of you know, getting good education, getting a job, working 50, 60 plus hours a week and uh, just saving money to buy a primary residence. And that was pretty much all she wrote or what I thought it was, you know, go to work for 40, 50 years. But then I started to rent that property out because I was traveling away from home for like five years. I was hundred percent travel. And I realized that, um, Hey, you know, I could make a pretty big spread between the mortgage and how much I was renting it out for. And I became an accidental landlord. And at the time I bought a A plus rental in Seattle for $350,000. The down payment was about 80,000. So I got $2,200 rent from that and the mortgage was 1,600. So there was quite a bit of beer money in there. To, uh, and then, I, then I was like, whoa, this is pretty cool, right? Like I just had to buy more of these things. And then that's what I did. It just starts saving, reading, books, devouring podcasts, and then I uh, eventually bought more rentals and the kind of the rest is history and just get a little bit more educated along the way and, and then now at this point. <laughs> well, great. Well, tell us in more detail, especially for the beginners, what did you do for your own education? I'm, I'm assuming maybe Bigger Pockets was in the scene or was it somebody else where you got to learn a lot about this? Yeah, I think that was back in 2009. So I don't think Bigger Pockets was as big then. Um, but I read uh, several books, Millionaire Investor by Keller. I always call that one the fundamentals. Um, just starting to listen to a lot of podcasts, uh, just devouring different methods, you know, flippers, wholesalers, buy and holds, um, some commercial, and just kind of under just just devouring a whole bunch of stuff and not really picking what I did, just letting my rental run um, 
itself for a while. And then I just started saving up for another property. This time, you know, at that point, I realized that I had an A rental, which doesn't cash flow as well as everything else. Um, you want to stay in that B class, B minus, B minus class, and be a little bit better than the D or C class because those are kind of the war zone properties. And that st by staying in that sweet spot, you get a little bit better cash flow and less headaches. So the next property I bought in Seattle was a duplex that was more of a B minus, B plus property. And um, yeah, then I started to purchase. I was gonna buy more properties, but then 2012, 2013 came and the prices in Seattle were appreciating and nothing cash flowed at that point, which a lot of us investors in primary markets, you know, Seattle, Hawaii, California, the East Coast, I mean, they're just more appreciation based markets. So then I found then I discovered this whole cash flow versus appreciation debate that gets talked back and forth forever in bigger pockets forms. And I made the conscious choice to become a more cash flow investor because my goal was to replace my income with passive streams of income and not with appreciation because appreciation you can't really eat, doesn't put food on the table. Very true. So tell us, I mean, I know that you have expanded and grown and now you're helping other people do this. It's not just all for yourself in your own little bubble. Tell us about what came next. So then I did a test property in Birmingham, Alabama. And you hear about it, all these out-of-state properties. You, you can work with a turnkey provider. You can work with a marketer. You can go and find a realtor on your own. But nevertheless, it's all finding properties in these secondary markets where the unsophisticated money isn't really going and where you can find these properties that, you know, $100,000 property will rent for 1000 bucks. So you're going to beat that 1% rent-to-value ratio and you're going to cash flow. Yeah, you're not going to get the amazing appreciation, but you're going to be slowly building up your portfolio of cash flowing properties. So that's what I, I consciously made the choice by selling my two properties in Seattle, which had appreciated a bit, and uh, bought nine other properties out of state in Birmingham, Atlanta, Indianapolis, and just started to, I just went all in <laughs> into this cash flow stuff. So was it only your money at this time or were you starting to um, bring other people in, other investors? Right. It was all my money at that point. I mean, at, I was, I mean, essentially when you're buying turnkey properties, you're buying properties at retail price. And it, if their correction ever comes, now you're automatically underwater. So it's right. not really that safe to be using other people's money for that. Um, again, it's leaps and bounds better than the stock market or anything in the 401k but um i mean today with multifamily syndications or bigger projects you're buying it with that value add component and it already has the cash flow built in so it's a pretty stable conservative investment okay and um i mean another interesting point is you obviously still have your job do you want to keep working a lot of people enjoy their full-time jobs or is it your goal to eventually not work. Um, I eventually, you know, quit my job, and you know, the thing that takes most of my time is doing my podcast, Simple Passive Cash Flow, and the and the blog. Um, and I enjoy doing that. But I mean, if a lot of people that I network with who are kind of doing what I'm doing, 
they don't have a podcast or blog and they're perfectly fine making their their salary and I, I tell a lot of people that that talk to me it's it's your highest and best use I mean a lot of people they have engineering degrees they have computer science degrees they're doctors there's lawyers they, you know their billable rates 300 bucks an hour you know they even though they don't like it just suck it up and go to work right like that's <laughs> your time is better than better spent you you know doing surgery on somebody or making a design on a bridge than to mail yellow postcards and doing that kind of stuff yeah so I'm, 100%. I, mean, I always talk about like you need to look at yourself what do you have do you have time do you have money or do you have knowledge or network so those three components you need to figure out what your best strategy is and for a lot of people that come to my website it's more for working professionals and not saying that wholesaling and flipping isn't for everybody um I mean, it's, it is for people who have time <laughs> and at some point it's, it's business decision. Are you going to stay at your job and make your salary or are you going to go into real estate and kind of jump into the, the pot of all these other people hustling? True. And I, a very important couple of items to point out while we're on this subject is when you've got a corporate job or a full-time job, you have a provable income, W-2 income, and you can buy rentals up to a point. I mean, you, you max out how much you can buy at some point. So there's value in that and having a job that's better than, you know, sometimes being self-employed and having up and down income. And you know that it is pretty steady income. When you are a flipper, a wholesaler, you're on a roller coaster of, wow, we got a great deal, made lots of money. Okay, now there's a dry spell. So there's a lot more risk involved. So, I mean, definitely there's merits to having a full-time job. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I do. I actually did on my YouTube channel, I have a speech I did of why you should not quit your day job. (laughs) Because, I mean, one of the big things people don't realize is if you're creating a business, you should be working it so that you are not the scalable part of the business. Like, it people feel like they're super important and they need to quit their job and go full bore into this, but it's just more of a, they just want to tell everybody that they quit their job and it's more of an ego thing than anything else. Ah, interesting. And unless you're you're working lean with your time and being very efficient, you're not going to be creating a a, a scalable business. Okay. Well, why don't you speak to like some of the best practices for managing properties remotely in your experience? Yeah. So one of the big things that I say is just being accountable. It's just no different than corporate America where you have a direct report or a boss that's not even in the same state or you may see them once or twice a year. I mean, it's phone, phone calls, emails, keeping people accountable, following up, follow up, follow up. I mean, it's just, just many people just don't do that. And if you can keep doing that and keeping the squeaky wheel, yeah, you don't want to be a pain in the butt, but like keeping the squeaky wheel, you're going to get what you, what you need from your service providers, whether they're property management or your handyman that you're using. And, I, and the second is the, the power of the network. Um, so I created a simple passive cash flow uh, secret Facebook group where we kind of talk shop about who's screwing up, right? Who's who are the vendors that we're using? Who are the property management companies that are just screwing up? <laughs> Sending out these all these ridiculous, um, you know, they think we're like these rich out of state landlords 
who just all have money. Like we don't, we, you know, we're not, and we're not idiots, right? You know, we have Facebook for God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, it's a power of your network, um, talking to other investors who are doing the same thing. Uh, I've got different groups for, you know, all the different markets that I'm trying to put together these days. And, cool. Uh, so do you have just, one uh, for Southern California that I can hop in? <laughs> I do. I do. <laughs> Great. I can't yeah. wait to get in there and see it because <laughs> I would love to say the power of your network is huge. I mean, I just in the last few days, I'm on a group email in Gmail with probably a couple hundred investors and I'm sure most of them don't like open it and read it. But like today, just a couple of hours ago, I threw out the question to the group of Hey, I'm doing a flip in Cypress, which is in California. It's in Orange County. And I had my AC guy find asbestos ducting. So all the ducting up in the attic and everything is made out of asbestos. You know, I need a good asbestos removal company that's not super expensive. And I'm getting responses. And, you know, last weekend I had a house to flip and I... You know, I got the deal dropped on me from someone that heard me on a podcast. I was a guest on someone's podcast. They, you know, called me up, Holly, you want to buy a house? Yes, I do. And so they got me a deal. And I'm like, okay, now I need a couple hundred grand in a day or two. Who do I know? So I posted both on Facebook and my investor email group. And I got multiple responses of people that wanted to, you know, be private lenders. If I didn't have that network established, life would be so much harder. You know, I've got sources for cash, um, people to go to for questions and problems for vendors, and you're providing that too. Um, do you have any stories where of, you know, some of the people in your groups or yourself where the power of networking has helped you? Yeah, I mean, it's all like, I mean, you said it right there, the power of your network is your net worth. Ah, I yes. Mean, just, it seems like we all, like the property management companies, like in these little, in a, you know, Kansas City, Atlanta, wherever, you know, we'll, we'll be talking and who's the property management company to use that year. And then we'll all just flock over to the better guy. Just, you know, just secretly. Well, it's <laughs> just leverage. Better price, right. Better pricing. Yeah. yeah. And, and um, I mean, I'll, I'll put it out to your listeners. I mean, my, my network is high paid professionals and we're looking to place money. Um, in first and second lane positions on flips. I mean, if someone's interested, okay, in we'll them, talk. Right. Yeah, right. So it's, it's it's good that people. You're not only talking to the same people, right? I mean, we're sort of different camps, but we're all part of this ecosystem, and we all kind of help each other out. Because as much as my my investors have funds, we don't have deals, and that's something that we're pretty desperate for. You know, anything that hits that 1% rent-to-value ratio that I'm always looking for stuff that rents for more than $900 because I don't want war zone properties. But yeah, my, my investors pick that up every day of the week. That's great to know. So listeners, those of you who are finding the deals or the wholesalers, you have a resource here in Lane. You got to be hopping into his groups, his private secret Facebook group and connecting with him because he's connected with individuals that have money and want to buy deals. So once again, the power of networking here is huge. So why don't you tell us about um, some of your bigger efforts? Are, are you doing syndications now or what, what else are you working on now? Yeah. So once I, um, 
I'm, I broke into the double digits and of single family homes. And to answer your earlier question about like how many loans you can get under your personal name, it's 10 currently. That may um, expand, but most what most people do, they'll put 10 in their name, 10 in their wife's name or to, you know, to get 20. But I would say after a few properties, you're going to see the writing on the wall. And a lot of the, again, I, I follow what people 10, 20 years older than me, what they do. And a lot of them are like the single family home stuff. It's not very scalable if you're buying it, you know, if you're not doing great value add to it. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to hit your cash flow goals of ten, twenty thousand dollars doing single family homes. And what a lot of the the sophisticated investors are doing are, are teaming up and going on these bigger projects, these hundred, two hundred, three hundred unit apartment buildings, or going into different different things like commercial or shopping centers. It's just at that point you have to scale up and go bigger. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So um, are you putting any of those deals together? Are you investing in the deals or what's your involvement with those? Yeah, I'm actively looking all the time. Uh, unfortunately, we're in the seller's market and I only go after 90% are occupied apartments to get that non-recourse Fannie Mae debt on it. And that's that's pretty huge. It's, it's kind of funny on these bigger properties, you get better terms and with that non-recourse component. So if anything happens to the property, you just walk away. And that's uh, the government subsidizing that kind of stuff for uh, workforce housing. Um, so yeah, just putting, putting together and um, going on other people's projects, bringing investors along with me. That's kind of how I'm, what I'm operating in today's seller's market. And a lot of, offering a lot of uh, private money lending deals. And so I kind of mentioned it, you know, it's probably the place to be and, you know, with a correction looming, a lot of people say 50% in the next three years or, you know, every market cycle is 12 years long. I mean, it, it's hard. Like you, you play this game between, you know, doing what you do, but you never know when the, when the music's going to stop. Right. <laughs> I'm listening very attentively to it. So, yeah, and it's not going to all, it's not going to stop in every city and every state at the same hour, the same week. You know, it's all going to hit at different times, different places. And everything I learned and studied about California predicts that we're going to be good for a few more years. So, we'll see. And that's not just the board of realtors saying that that's always like everything's rosy no i mean I said to, you shouldn't trust necessarily realtor organizations because i don't think many of them usually predict downturns <laughs> they're like it's always going up so be careful who you listen to for your advice on that right that's for sure so tell us about what states you've chosen to invest in so if you draw a smiley face across the United States of America, going from Phoenix to New Mexico to Texas, Texas is probably the strongest market out there these days just because all you Californians are moving to Texas. Uh, I'll do Birmingham, Atlanta, Carolinas. I mean, there's just no doubt that that's where all the job creation is with all the manufacturing and where all the population growth is. So in, talk, in t- talking in terms of emerging markets, those are really the, uh, the the best places to be. And in red states where you have better landlord-friendly laws. I know in, like in California, it's just ridiculous. You got to pay like $800 per LLC or just, and the LLC doesn't even have to be in California. <laughs> right, 
Right, they're going to hit you up for it if you live in California, and if you invest out of state, like they'll hit you up for for everything. It's it's not very friendly, and you know it is more friendly towards the tenants than um, the landlords. I've been lucky that I've probably had to evict people five times in the last eight years or so, and every time it's gone well. But, good, good. Well, maybe I shouldn't say that. There's been a couple of times where we've had little snafus, but the judges never. You know, ruled against me just because I'm the rich landlord and they're the poor, humble tenant. But no, he usually says, did you pay your rent? No. Okay, you're out. So thankfully it works that way. Right. But, um, right. I, yeah, I don't, I don't think anything bad against investing in a Seattle or California. I mean, they're the best appreciation markets by far. It's just your strategy. I mean, I, I look at it in terms of a triangle or pyramid. You build out your cash flow first. You get a few thousand dollars of cash flow rolling in with stable blue chip or blue state or blue collar working locations. And then at that point, once you have quote unquote food on the table every month, then you can go after you know what you want to do, whether it's fix and flips or investing on lake lake uh, lake property or beachfront property. Um, yeah, then that, that's where you can kind of go, go for more triples and home runs, but stick with the singles first is the way I, I is what I think. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely be a little safer. So what are your, um, your three rules of investing that you use to invest in with income leverage and tangible value? Tell us about that. So the first rule is hard assets. So that kind of takes out all your 401k stocks and mutual funds. I mean, it's not really tied to anything. I mean, I don't really understand about stocks. It seems like with all the robo investing these days, it's it's just uh, impossible to figure out what's happening, and it's not doesn't really have anything to do with how a stock or company is performing, but the expectations that it has. And you know, you you as like uh, one person have no idea on how any of that is factored in. And then the next thing is, it's real estate is why we why we do it because you can leverage it. You can get these nice loans on it from the, from the government that are backed by Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. And that's where you're getting that five X leverage. And the last one is cash flow. And this is where I'll, I'll, you know, I'll disagree with a lot of people and, uh, but I still accept how a lot of people go after appreciation. It's just different goals. My goals were cash flow. I love it. Yeah, I, I got super lucky and blessed to pick up a bunch of rentals um, before, I don't know, I guess it was like 2010 to 2013 before we had a lot of appreciation. I think some of those homes that I bought in the Inland Empire have doubled in value. We were hoping for appreciation, but we made sure these properties met the 1% rule when we bought them because that's what we were looking at. You can't find anything that meets the 1% rule in the Inland Empire now, but um, it was great. So I feel like the tide rose and my ships are all high and I'm waiting to make sure that we get out if we need to before the time drops so yeah, yeah it, it's uh, in my podcast i start added a new question is um in the seller's market what are you doing today or what would you suggest a new investor do i mean if you're starting out i mean you want to get in the game you want to you know you want to force something you know and want to do something which is kind of the way i am you know doing apartment buildings i'm not a, i'm not i'm not one of the big boys yet I mean, all the Ken McEnroy's, all the big players, they're all out. They're not doing anything. They're just sitting on the sidelines. Yeah. But 
I mean, if you're a newbie or you just, you, you want to free yourself from the day job or get out of the stock market, if anything, you need to be doing something. Yeah. So I don't have a good answer for that. <laughs> well, I mean, I think the answer is, I think you can always buy stuff below market when a person has a problem. You look for people with problems just as much as you look for properties with problems. You know, some kids inherited it and they want to sell, whether it's a single family or even commercial property. There's people that want to sell quick a lot and maybe with seller financing, you know, maybe a discount for cash. I mean, in the seller's market, I'm still able to buy flips at a discount and make them work. I think about three in the last month, which is great. And, you know, they're nasty, disgusting problem houses that people don't want to clean up, don't know how to clean up. So I say I'll solve that problem for a discount. And then, you know, I'm sure there's apartments like that too, and they just can't deal with it. So there's always opportunity. <laughs> you just got to exactly. look for it. Well, we're getting here near the end of our show time, but I wanted to share um, listeners. Lane has generously offered for our free download this week. Um, a spreadsheet of turnkey um, property providers, because that's definitely something that you might want to consider if you have a full-time job and you need someone else to do the legwork of finding a property that would make sense as a rental. And so he'll offer that list, and you can find that at hardhatholly.com forward slash 72, because we're show number 72. And you can also get that by texting with no spaces, all one word, hard hat, to the number 38470. That's 38470. Text hard hat, and I will send you this download as well as a link to our past downloads too. Lane, how do people get in touch with you if they want to learn more about you and tell us about your podcast or website and how people reach out to you? Yeah, so you can get a hold of me at lane at simplepassivecashflow.com. Go on iTunes, Google Play, Simple Passive Cashflow, and the URL is simplepassivecashflow.com to get access to all the articles and sign up for the email list to get access to my Google Drive of goodies, all kinds of spreadsheets in there. Um, that turnkey provider list that Holly's talking about, it's a, it's a great list, you know, kind of an old list. You don't know who you're working with. Some of them turn to shysters. But the important thing on there is the, are the questions that you ask them. Because That's you as awesome. A, yeah, tell us more about the questions and maybe one sample question to give people an idea. Yeah, so the, a lot of the questions are kind of, they're not really asking the questions, but it's asking, seeing how they respond to it. And they're just helping yourself get better at, you know, your BS detector needs to be up because everybody knows that you you're, you don't know anything. You're just some rich Californian or Washingtonian or New Yorkian with a lot of money and no access to deals. They know you're in a you're in a tough spot. So as much as you can learn, educate yourself, and and then make the purchase or work with people who have done it in the past, then it's it's better. Yeah. Amen to that. Yeah. I mean, definitely when I was investing in Texas, I was that rich remote investor and I was lied to in a horrible way, lost probably 30 grand in rent on the apartment complex I had because I didn't know how to be managing the managers. So 
you can definitely get in big trouble. So I would say take baby steps and connect with people like Lane who have experience and advice. Look at his questions. I'm sure he's happy to talk to you if you have questions on how to do this. And um, reach out. Definitely get help from people. I mean, the whole real estate investing community, at least people are connecting on Facebook and through podcasts like this and on websites and through bigger pockets. The reason we're all connecting is because we're friendly and we want to help, and this is a team sport. So it's a great place to find help. I mean, if people are on there, they want to help you, and we all help each other win, and we all help each other have more success. So take advantage of that. Well, any final words of advice, Lane, as we sign off here? I guess for a newbie, um, here's here's my one word of advice when you reach out to uh, folks like yourself, Holly, is don't be an asshole. Don't be that guy, just ask question after question after question after question. <laughs> like add value, right? Because I mean, like, like Holly, you're busy and I know you like to help people, but like, you know, when you get people who just ask questions all day long and they don't add any, you know, why, why would you want to help somebody like that? Right? Like that's just a waste of time because <laughs> right. you know, that person doesn't have any network slash net worth because they're acting that way. So always think, you know, put your perspective goggles on and think, well, how can I add value to this person? Because I need them more than they need me. That's for sure. And how people have added value to me is like I've offered, hey, if someone wants to come help me set up and stage a house, I'll talk to you and give you free coaching while we're working together. And it's a hard, sweaty job sometimes. I mean, I'll put people to work if they want to come help. Or if it's wholesalers, hey, I'll tell you, what I need in a deal and I, let's work together. You go find the deals. I'm going to buy them from you. I'm going to pay you. We'll make money together. So there's a couple of examples of how I talk to people and work with people. It's when it benefits me too. It's got to be win-win, not just someone saying, let me buy you lunch and pick your brain. No, thank you. I mean, I eat lunch while I'm working. I don't just go have a leisurely lunch for an hour and think, right. okay. So I don't want no coffee. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so how would someone add value for you? Um, Maybe just tell their friends about the website and um, I don't know. I mean, I'm just more into just that the podcast is just a way of helping people escape from the rat race. And if some people want to sign up for coaching and, and do, you know, jump into my syndications and do that kind of stuff, then fine. But if not, at least it helps somebody help somebody move on to the way of financial freedom. Love it. Well said. Well, thank you so much for your time. I'm going to let you get back to your day job. And thank you so much for sharing your very valuable time with us today. Listeners, go hop on his podcast, Simple Passive Cashflow. Um, of course, go give him good ratings and reviews, just like I'm hoping you do for me. Thanks so much for listening, guys, and get out there and take some action and make some steps forward in your investment efforts today. Thanks for listening today. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review our show. And let us know in your review what you'd like to hear more of. For the show notes and free downloads for this episode and all others, go to hardhatholly.com. 